Your ears do not deceive you. You have just entered the Cryptid Creator Corner brought to you by your friends at Comic Book Yeti. So without further ado, let's get on to the interview. Welcome everyone to the Cryptid Creator Corner podcast. I'm Byron O'Neill, your host for today's episode. Not sure how it's going wherever you are today here in North Carolina. It seems like everybody on my block has already hung up all their holiday lights before Thanksgiving, which is weird to me. Um, I'm already behind the eight ball, which is usual for my Grinch self, but we're not here to talk about all that because we've got Scott Hoffman returning on the show today to talk about what I found to be a fantastic little piece of dystopian science fiction, WAG. Um, he teased it last time uh, we were chatting when he was on about nostalgia, um, and we're going we're gonna to dig into WAG today. Scott, it's great to have you back on. Thank you. And did I mention, you mentioned I've been uh, moving all over the place, but I don't know if I mentioned I'm actually in Kentucky right now, so we're... Uh... We're we're in the south together. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Whereabouts um, in visit, Kentucky? Visiting family. I'm um, visiting uh, my hometown of Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, very cool. Yeah. Just it's went to town. a basketball game last night. UK basketball game, which isn't very. Uh, uh, it's not my usual activity. Let's just say that. But it was it was actually really. Yeah, sometimes it's good to get out of uh, get out of the rut. Do something like that. I'm not a big yeah. Get my. Really. Get my head out of a book for a second and maybe go see, a, you know, go see a basketball game. Why not? Well, you've been traveling everywhere lately. I saw on Instagram you were taking in cabaret in London and you were at Thought Bubble, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's nice to go. I was I was uh, headed over for Thought Bubble, but it's nice to stop in London and see friends. And that's sort of where my band uh, had our, our spiritual home. Uh, we were signed over there first. We uh, We have a big love for london and for the whole the whole country so i was over there and jake is actually over um jake who's the singer of the band is over uh doing uh playing the part of the mc in an in a new production of cabaret um which is a couple years been running for a couple years now and it's 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 a pretty fascinating production as well and and i wasn't aware of uh i i'd never seen cabaret before so that was a that was a really heavy intro i know i know wow okay that's surprising bad with bad with uh with musicals and you know and i pick and choose i don't know i'm a reader i don't i don't i don't see a ton of theater but i wish i i wish i saw more but this was amazing i did a whole cabaret run that was like a month and a half so like those songs are embedded in my brain so, really yeah That's fascinating yeah. yeah i was props so i was working on the the fly rail and running in everything out and all the big set pieces so yeah Hitting me. Well, you this would have been an easier one for you because there is no set and no set pieces. It's a it's done in the round. Um in oh, the year, nice. there's a couple little there's a couple little uh you know props and stuff, but uh it's really minimal, it's really interesting, it's a really dark take, uh, from what I understand of the usual cabaret. Oh, that could be cool. depressing. I mean, cabaret is dark enough. Uh yeah, I literally started having a panic attack when uh some of the some of the harsher imagery sort of came out so it's heavy it's a heavy show i was expecting like oh we're in you know supposed to be fun and games but i guess they turned the whole thing upside down and uh dark all right well let's move on to something hey look i'm into the darkness you know let's uh let's do it let's clearly i mean actually wag didn't strike me honestly is all that dark um to me you you've kind of written another banger here it's not it's not at all honestly what i expected in my head okay. you know given the title i was i was thinking like a wag the dog reference right it was going to be kind of a a political statement you know kind of looking at our, our current climate um I, di- I didn't get that at all one of the things i'm i'm kind of now coming to expect from you as a writer is this uh, 
very layered approach to messaging. So there's there's quite a bit going on. So I'm going to endeavor to peel back some of the onion layers. Um, seems like the I, w- I wanted to say I really appreciate that. Before you go on, I, I appreciate okay. that. I think I'm 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 trying to uh, say a lot of things and maybe trying to say too much, and I'm not apologizing for saying too much if I do. So yeah, thank you for that. No, no, I I, I mean it's it's something that. I'm finding really refreshing. We'll we'll get into it. Like there's there's <laughs> yeah. a couple couple of ways to do dystopian, you know. And I thought this was a really cool take. But I think we'll we'll start with Wag. Um, so he's kind of been isolated in this post-apocalyptic kind of world for some time. Uh, so he's he's kind of mentally untethered, um, and it's kind of not until another character, Lynn, is kind of introduced that the his his current version of reality is contested. So. He's clearly the nucleus from which you wanted to build things. So talk to me about how you wanted to kind of construct him as a character, as the focal point of the story. Yeah, I mean, I think this was the first thing I wrote, which is, you know, it comes with all that baggage as well of me trying to kind of figure out how to how to put a story together. So, so you know, um, take that into consideration. Um, obviously, a lot of rewrite since and a lot of great mentorship as I was I was as I was uh, creating this. but. Um, what I think I was was, or what I know I was thinking about at the time was, um, kind of certain comic traditions and and trope traditions that I thought would be fun to kind of play with, um, and the idea of uh, uh, a guy who the the world is kind of a joke uh, feels like a, the world is a joke on him, um, and maybe that's how we were all feeling during the pandemic. Is like, oh, did I just enter this? strange reality where all the all the nightmares I kind of had about where what direction the world was going and maybe coming true. Um Wag actually was a a funny reference to me, just sort of an inside joke to myself uh about classic comic characters. And I was like, oh, you know, he's he kind of laughs about the world being a joke on him, but he's not the Riddler. He's not the Joker, but uh, he's not the comedian. He's not going to be any of those people because uh, that's been done. But Wag is kind of an old fashioned for a jokester. So, um, so, you know, in the beginning, he's sort of laughing about uh, the tragedy uh, that, that sort of uh, 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 upends his life at the beginning of the book and sort of uh, uh, trying to keep, you know, a bit of a sense of humor, I think, about the, the yeah, about tragedy. And um, so that's sort of where that wag thing came from, but I liked that it evoked other things for you. Um, but yeah, this is this is a book, The Nucleus, as you said, is this character about mental illness, about a big fear I had during the pandemic, about myself and my friends, about um, uh, the reality of what that trope could look like, the post-apocalyptic trope, which is mm-hmm. we 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 think about Mad Max, we think about adventure, we think about action battles, and all those things are fun. Um, but what happens when the medication runs out? And that was the core of this book: is um, uh, what do people do that depend on functioning, uh, depend on 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 modern science for for their day to day functioning. Um, especially in a world that is denying uh, the benefits of science and medicine and maybe really taking those things for granted. So I was thinking about a lot of those things. Yeah, that, that hit me really uh, firsthand too, as somebody with lupus when um, Laquanil, um was all the rage and there was a shortage on, on that during the pandemic. Wow. Um, 
because they, you know, they associated it not to get anything political, but when, you know, when people said um, that this kept them from, from getting it, or they believed it kept getting them from getting it. Um, that was very real, you know? So that, that was definitely, I uh, did not realize that. I remember hearing a lot of the stories about, um, I think it was Adderall shortages and, and um, uh, psychiatrists sort of saying that they had this, this whole, uh, this whole sort of mini crisis within their field of their patients, not being able to, to treat themselves. Um, it, I'm sure it stretched way beyond that in ways I didn't understand. It's cool to, uh, to hear that. I mean, it's, it's terrifying to hear that. Right. So, um, we depend on these things and it kind of got me thinking about things that we depend on beyond, even beyond the, the medication, um, the, 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 the simple things that we might take for granted that, um, uh, upend our life when they're, when they're gone. So that to me was like a really rich, uh, kind of, uh, field to play in with a, with a story yeah well I, I was in no way surprised to kind of see the influence of your musical background in this um really from the beginning there was a lyrical kind of poetic quality kind of to constructing wag's personal narration right down to evoking a nursery rhyme that's now stuck in my head with head shoulders knees and toes i don't know if that was specifically intended but that's what i got out of it um it's it, it's definitely there and it's gonna you know hopefully uh uh uh, make some more sense at a certain point in the book. So yeah, thanks for bringing yeah. that up. Well, it, it pulled him kind of out of that uh, disassociative state, you know, back into uh, you know the the mundane world. So having worked with so many artists over the years, it's a constant battle for so many of them to stay grounded. You know that that mental struggle between worlds, kind of maintaining that balance. Um, it's it's very real. I've seen it many times. I've dealt with it myself. So sure. was was that a mirror kind of of your own re experience, sort of reflected in the character? Is that something you've ever? Yeah, I mean, I I definitely have had my experiences with you know certain amounts of depression or you know definitely anxiety through my life. I'm you know um, uh, I wouldn't say uh, traveling with a band was the beginning of you know experiencing anxiety. I was already an anxious person in some ways, but. Then my life was upended when I started to go on tour and 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 not wake up in the same city, let alone my own bed every day, but the same city. So that sort of you know gave me a a, a further uh, kind of uh, I think a, a maybe somewhat unique perspective on on that. Uh, uh, you mentioned being grounded and sort of like the 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 being un untethered from from. Uh, a regular life that that I think is really hard for people with with anxiety and also um, a certain amount of OCD that I think we all have to some degree. Sure. Um, and uh, I think it. I'm glad you mentioned the music thing. I think it's really common in people with musical minds that you know uh, sometimes we as kids make up little songs and they repeat in our heads and they just go over and over and over again. I have recordings of myself as like a six-year-old or seven-year-old singing into a tape recorder and it's just like not it's just nonsense i'm like who was who was that person just kind of like you know this sounds like a it sounds like a you know a, a you know someone crying for help but i mean it's it really isn't it's just the musical mind and the way our mind sort of uh creates patterns and 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 repetition in our lives so i found that really interesting and interesting um uh, an intro I was doing a lot of reading about uh, the voice in our head in general, and I find that um, that phenomenon 
really fascinating. Um, uh, how we deal with the voice in our head, where that comes from, uh, and different uh, different understanding through history of what that voice actually is. Um, moments when people thought that was the voice of God, when they thought that was a voice of someone different, when you know people actually certain people um, hear hear conversations in their head, but it's not uh, it's not. You know, this is based on, you know, scientific research. Some people hear it in a in a less physical sort of way. They don't actually hear a voice, but they uh, they mm-hmm. follow a voice. Some people hear a very clear voice in their head. So um, without science and without the understanding of what that is, I was thinking about how people deal with that voice. Um, and that was that was super interesting to me in writing. Well, something that. That, that I, I really loved is, you know, kind of moving beyond WAG. Uh, there's there's this very strong messaging around fam, found family. You know, you have WAG and Lynn Absolutely. and Guido and Sass. Um, so it's this weird little group that's kind of formed piece by piece, almost as if Lynn is picking up strays along the way. Yeah. Um, yeah. She pl- plays this mother role. But, you know, what notes were kind of essential with each of them as, as a character to kind of fill out and support WAG, if you will? Um, I was thinking with those people, I was thinking generationally, um, okay. I was thinking, uh, about, as you said, very simply, the idea of found family, the idea that, um, in these crises, uh, especially again, writing this during the pandemic and thinking about, um, our support systems and, uh, who we decide to cling to, or we're, we're even sometimes forced to cling to, uh, during, during uh, these, you know, a crisis like the pandemic and, and how found family can be so important, uh, uh, especially to people that I know I've, I'm very fortunate to have, to be close with, with my family, but, uh, people that didn't have that, these support systems, uh, communities, uh, like-minded communities, even sometimes, uh, really non-like-minded, you know, people from non-like-minded, uh, you know, uh, uh, different communities coming together out of necessity. So, yeah, I was definitely thinking about that and just the the again like the post-apocalyptic trope is so um has been so heavily explored. Um but I, I just wanted to put myself into that and think about what what really would matter to me in those moments and again like like you said like the the fears that I had specifically about um about resources and one of those being just who who could I connect to? I'm not necessarily a people person. What happens to the introverts in a in a post apocalyptic situation, and how can they connect? Um, and that does happen out of a certain kind of necessity. I think sometimes certain people like me are forced into certain relationships sometimes, um, you know, because we'd we'd like to disappear. Um, and uh, yeah, that's that's kind of where my head was at. You need a t-shirt that says Jake happens. Is that what I'm hearing? Basically your, your friend Jake, right? Like in, in the band, like Jake happens. Jake, Jake is the, uh, the extrovert. For you. I heard Jay happens. I was like, who, oh, who is no. that? You know I mean? No, absolutely. I, yeah. I mean, I talk about this. I don't know if I, maybe I, maybe you're remembering this from, from last time. I can't remember if I brought it up, but I do talk about that, about um, how uh, sometimes the perfect, you know, the perfect situation is two really, you know, disparate personalities adding to each other's lives. And I was really lucky to have extroverts. 
in my life through my uh through my career absolutely yeah i mean the where this turned it on its head is the dystopian thing typically the group dynamic you, you see a loner right like it's it's traveling through those scenarios but the group dynamic here is really supportive you know definitely more than i typically see so it felt like this really good vehicle to examine like the mental trauma that we all go through as if they all kind of needed each other to heal you know i, I love sure. the hell out of that you know like we live because we live in that polarized era where you know fear of the stranger has kind of become the the dogma of our our modern media you know absolutely yeah, absolutely so, and, and what is yeah and what what is the and what is the 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 connection and i think um in a world where you know i'm kind of playing with i guess the the fear of of people falling into cult like uh uh groups conspiracy theories la- you know falling outside of of an of a of a shared understanding of reality maybe you know the the commonness that we can find in a group of really uh different weirdos is the fact that we all just are a little bit more tethered to reality and that's that was the kind of commonness in this in this group kind of a fighting uh pragmatic uh uh group of of weirdos i kind of liked yeah i mean it felt in a way a little little bit x-men forgive me for the the association i Uh, mean when is that not a compliment no absolutely absolutely i like the idea of i like the idea of superpowers that are never as good as the ones in typical superhero books so too and i don't even know what their superpowers are in this book except for um uh having a bond with each other i don't really know what i don't really know what they would be they're not powerful characters in a yeah. way they're pow- but they're powerful uh uh maybe psychologically or something well i said it's not inherently about politics but th- there are a, a couple beautiful you know lines in there um there's like sometimes I wonder if we're living in two different countries, one stuck in a past that never was, the other lost in the hope of a future that never will be. Um, I feel like this is an arc that we all happen to be floating on at the moment. So, and I, and I love the, the allegorical weight in comics. It's so cool. So, are you are you finding a significant difference on kind of how you like to transmit your your messaging between music and comics? You know, as as two different mediums. Um. I really, again, I, I appreciate you for a lot of things, but I appreciate you for picking up on that as well. I mean, I think uh, uh, comics are a great way for me to have fun doing what I'm doing, but also just sprinkle in little bits of things that that matter to me. I mean, I should be a lot. You know, I think there's a lot of things that matter to me, but hopefully there's there's a you know a spoonful of sugar with all this stuff, and I do I do really like to use this as a as a as an outlet to to think about. Uh, said fears and 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 ways of looking at the world and that is really uh where my head has been recently is the idea that 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 uh that sometimes i don't know if i'm living in the same world as 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 a whole other group of people um but but that is that is not something new i guess either Um, it's not something uh maybe maybe we're all just waking up to that to that kind of reality that we're that really have uh sort of irreconcilable differences with with uh about how we how we see the world with other people that are that are even close to us so so yeah i love those moments um sorry you were sort of asking more about uh comics and music weren't you about the 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 differences in expression i think 
I think there's a certain there's certain demands of music, especially the kind of music that um, Scissor Sisters was making was making um, that uh, was about the that the um, sorry I'm I'm not I'm not super eloquent today, but about the sort of venue where that that was presented. So right, so we're making yeah. pop music and in a, a lot of um, a lot of our sort of discussions about what we were doing and dreams about what we were doing. It was always a pop thing, right? That had to come first. The idea that we were doing something that was fun, that was yep. an escape for people. Um, so there were those demands to kind of like, we got serious, but you know, the moment it got like super serious, whoa, let's step back and kind of remember that uh, people still like to dance and come out and see us and have a good time. So again, spoonful of sugar, uh, those maybe, maybe big giant ladles of sugar with scissor sisters or something like that. But um I think uh I, I think comics is a little different for me. One, because I have the you know complete control of at least the words in these books. And uh, right. it's a collaboration with artists that um I think I share a sort of uh similar similar uh aesthetic with and like the sort of darkness. Uh Jake was always the the kind of uh you know kind of force lifting me up and saying let's have a little more fun with this and i do get to indulge myself a little bit more with comics and and ask some really serious questions uh and and i i think they're they're similar but again uh you always as a musician or a lot of times as a musician sometimes you're thinking about the kid listening to that album on headphones but a lot of times as a band we were really thinking about what how this will work on stage okay. um with comics I can create for the person sitting in a sitting in their room, uh, turning the pages at their own, uh, at their own speed. Right. And, uh, yeah. and, and, um, and having a more solitary experience, which, which is what drives me about comics, because again, I've mentioned I'm a somewhat more solitary person than, than, uh, than my, than my cohort and scissor sisters. Yeah. Yeah. I always go to, um, pumped up kicks. I don't know if you if the song comes to mind, but it's always one of those that I absolutely love, and and it's the power of music because the you know you get sucked into a melody and it's it's it doesn't and it's so dark that that the the lyrics are so dark in that song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. And um, you know, we had some. Oh my god, <coughs> excuse me. I uh, was at a a signing table. I'm just remembering this. I forgot to tell my my bandmate, but um, we're at a signing table and or I was at a signing table, sorry, at uh, Thought Bubble, which we were going to talk about. But um guy comes up to me, he says, um, I love this one song you did. He actually, I, you know, I don't even want to mention the song because it seemed kind of a personal moment to him. But he, he goes, um, I have that on my funeral music. And oh, wow. my reaction, you know, it was such an interesting moment to say, like, I think there's a huge compliment in there. But oh, yeah. it's also uh, it's also such a heavy idea that I didn't, want to just say thank I, I think it's a thank you i don't know what the proper response is to that you know i'm glad this music connects to you um it's intense right so everyone take no matter what you're doing everyone's going to take it in a different in a different way usually we hear a, you know i want to play it at my wedding but or you know my uh my uh you know i don't know where else would you play it bar mitzvahs but yeah this was uh this was a uh this was a funeral moment and i think uh you know it Music can be super heavy, and it can it can certainly have different effects on on the same exact song can have very different effects on different people. 
I don't feel like dancing was, you know, one of our, one of our biggest songs. And that was a song about depression. So yeah, I get, I get what you're saying is, um, uh, another spoonful of sugar moment, I guess. Um, you can say a lot with, a, you know, uh, a really fun dance song. That's, that's crazy. I heard that one before. Um, no, I, I don't, I don't know that, uh, I don't know that I hear many years. It's not the first time we've, we've heard that someone wanted to play us during their flute, but, um, just, uh, yeah, it's a really, it's a really heavy idea. I mean, I guess it's the ultimate flattery. Yeah. Yeah. I don't or it's not because they won't be hearing it. So maybe, you know, yeah, I've, maybe I've it's always, a song that they don't have to ever hear again. I I've thought about that as personally, you know, like, and, and what, what would I want to play? I've never come up with a playlist, so I haven't gotten oh, that far or anything like that. Yeah. Um, but I've always thought it would be about, what would help everyone else who's grieving more than like, this is an expression of what I necessarily wanted myself personally. So, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I like that. And sometimes it's, you know, I imagine funerals are meaningful songs that are fun that you're right. Like yep. could could help the mourners sort of, uh, uh, help uplift them and, and remember the good times. But anyway, God, this, this just went dark. No kidding. Oh, um, it's not, it's yeah. not going to be baby got back. I won't go that far. You know, but <laughs> I'm not going to try to get people to dance or anything, but <laughs> All right, but, you we'll, know. we'll pull it back. Um, I'm curious. Have about some, that. have some fun, have some fun uh, hors d'oeuvres around, and maybe a couple, couple flashing disco lights, and that's fine. That would be. I mean, I don't know. That'd be. I, don't know. I, I, I always I, thought it'd be cool. I don't have to plan my funeral, do I? I mean, you know, people can do whatever they want. Funerals, I think, really should be. Uh, this we are going off on tangent, but like this, this wonderful expression of life, right? If you've touched yeah. people in a positive way, then that. that for me, that's what I would want to leave with those people. Like, how did I, how did I touch you? And let's not focus on being gone, but like the, the good well, memories. And, and and you know what? To bring it back around a little bit, and it yeah, is a bit a bit of a tangent, but that is also what I'm thinking about with these books. Again, not someone's funeral, but um, what will these books say about the moment we're in? Maybe 10, 20, 50 years from now, will they even exist anymore? But if they do, um. I sort of think about them as time capsules. That's why it's it's so important, I think, as as a creator in all ways, and especially me these days as a writer, to kind of ignore the noise and the trends and the things that people are, what's everyone reading right now and what's commercial and what's this and that. To me, the the most uh special moments in my life as someone who's a, a fan of genre and a fan of of books and and film and and music is finding things that I feel like no one else has heard that I just discovered this thing. And maybe it's, maybe it was created before I was born. Maybe it's, maybe it's 10 years old. I think um, we're putting uh, moments out there for people to, um, to discover and that can happen at any time. So um, that, that that's in my head when I'm doing this is, is what's, what's the best encapsulation of the time that I'm in that can connect through through time to, to other people. Well, one of the things that stuck out to me was kind of how, how it's constructed as a dystopian world. I mean, I touched on it earlier, right? But you know, it's, it's very minimal. And I have this tendency to think of, of that genre as really heavy-handed, you know, from a yeah. visual perspective, you know, which takes the reader to a point where they're sort of getting lost in the, the details, you know, and too mm -hmm. much topographical mm -hmm. information becomes less about the messaging, more about place. Or at least that's how I tend to read it. Um, I get captivated by like pretty little shit. So that's the anthropologist in me, material culture and all that. So you, too, definitely, yeah. 
you needed that right artist. So how did Juan, um, I mean, excuse me, Boblilo? Bobio, I believe. Bobio, um, okay. Because I've, I've, I will say kind of proudly because this is how he wants it. I've never spoken to him. Um, we, we email all the time. We still email. Um, he's in Argentina. Okay. Um, he does not have a phone. He does not want a phone. Um, wow. we have never actually done a face-to-face zoom or spoken on the phone. That was, that was how he chooses to, that's how he chooses to live his life. And, um, he was, he was brought in, uh, I did a short for, uh, uh, a uh, climate change book that uh, Will Dennis, uh, my co-editor on this book, uh, was editing, and, and he brought me in to do that with Juan. Um, and that uh, that started the relationship. And I was like, I I really like working with him. He's super open, and he he draws things in a way I really don't expect to see them. So that's. Uh, that's where that's where that relationship started, and I just thought this idea was right for him, and just continued the relationship. So, um, I wanted to present a future that didn't feel like a future. I saw that often, which is a world that was sort of being reborn, not being destroyed. So it was sort of like a post post apocalyptic book. This was about uh, the beauty of of kind of a reemerging world. Uh, maybe a little bit inspired by uh, um, some specific manga and anime that I like as well that sort of have maybe a different, more, I don't know if it's it's a more positive take, but maybe a more sort of like like gentle take on on a future world. Okay. It seems like a good spot to take a quick break. Hey, y'all. Mm-hmm. Jimmy recently scored me a signed, personalized copy of Hallow's Eve from Erica Schultz after our interview. You've probably had this problem too. I got this great book. Now, how did I display this thing? Well, I discovered this great product from Crafty Comics that lets you showcase your treasured comics and they even have options for already slab books too. I got their flex frame, which is amazing as you can customize the backing and it even has interchangeable watercolors to coordinate with your space. I opted for neutral gray to match the blue in my room. You can hang portrait or landscape and it comes with a template to make it easy to ensure that you get it exactly where you want it. To my surprise, my wife who tolerates my comic stuff was actually impressed with the overall quality and look. Win! So if you're looking for the perfect solution to showcase your own collection, visit craftycomics.com online. That's crafty with an I. Use the discount code YETI5 and get 5% off your order. All right, let's get back to the show. When, when you're, you've been at it a little while now, um, how much are you kind of wanting panel construction? How much are you involved in that? Because it's, it's really quite freeform, you know, and it helps establish this sort of spatial movement. Because, you know, I just mentioned it's, it's not as visually dense as a lot of dystopian stuff. But it, mm-hmm. it gives it kind of more space for the the characters to be more emotive, you know, in a way and interact with each other. Um, the way that that shadows are used, and you know, you have a panel that doesn't have rigid borders. Like there, there's a lot of that going on. Um, yeah, I think that was a conversation. I don't think it was it was a specific demand through the pages. Um, okay. I I do script specific to panel. Um, uh, uh, you know, traditional comic scripting with, with each panel and just and panel description. But, um, 
we kept things very loose with Juan. And I, I thought what was really interesting with this one, with, uh, with this process is that Juan, I think is a really natural, uh, sort of free form, like, as you said, storyteller. Yeah. And he made a lot of adjustments on, um, how things were laid out, um, specifics of, you know, certain panels disappearing, him adding other ones to kind of add, add, uh, 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 details that he wanted to show and there was a lot of rewriting afterwards this sort of like uh the the lettering process after to kind of work with what he had there was there were a few specific moments where i'm like i actually i really saw it this way can can we try to adjust and he's like amazing at that he he never never complains about those things but i just realized there was some really interesting magic in what he was doing with this sort of freeness but also a lot of uh a lot of references went back and forth and and we realized what we really loved was a certain era of comics that was um not not boxy right like uh yep. uh experimental images kind of jumping out of the panels yeah that's uh i i think it worked i'm glad you i'm glad you enjoy that side of the style of the book because um comics can be a a very rigid style sometimes and that works you know it can definitely work um yeah, there was a Mobius in a way, um, kind of construction, yeah, and and freedom to the way he he drew, drew it. So I, I thought it was it was great, great. Um, I I yeah. love him as well. I think he's I think he's fantastic. So well, I'm, I'm captivated by all those pretty little things, right? Why is Wag rolling around with a a straight up like Dracula's coffin on his back? I don't know. This this may not be maybe a, a detail that's like completely pointless, really, but um. No, and it's 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 gonna come up a bit later, but um, I liked the idea of it, it, I didn't Dracula wasn't really uh, in my head, but I appreciate any uh, anything evoking something, um, and I and I say that's as valid as anything else. But um, no, I I was thinking a lot about the idea of the sort of corporate monolith and how uh, uh, certain imagery may may continue to pop up as. Uh, as something that may be a clue as to to what direction this world was going in when it when it did end so um that logo is gonna is you know is sort of part of part of the bigger story which you do see in this issue i think is where where they're they they're kind of ending up in the uh in the world of of what that all means but uh you know i uh, there's there's a there's a religious uh kind of reference in that in that logo as well mm -hmm. um uh, i love the idea of sort of uh corporation as a certain kind of religion in our society and yeah that's just that's just kind of uh, i think it's it's playful but it's in there um and i believe it's on the 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 little packaging that the bird that his bird is in as well so um it's yeah it's all part of that kind of corporate world i, I was thinking a lot about um in that moment sort of pre-ai as well which was kind of funny i was thinking a lot about ai i mean before this sort of proper ai explosion um and a bit of who is going to come forward and sort of win that war and what what our lives are going to look like um with with artificial intelligence and again like i i'm sorry i'm really i'm really riffing here but you know it, there's a lot of thoughts about um uh 
the voice in our head also being, uh, you know, possibly, uh, 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 something that we, that we end up getting used to with technology. And maybe right. that isn't that, you know, that isn't, uh, a psychological, uh, affliction for him, but actually something that, uh, is, is part of the, the way, the way technology in the world is going. So I kind of wanted to mix all those things together and, and see what like a post sort of, uh, corporate world like me- corporate megalith world sort of look like as well okay yeah i mean one of the things we all deal with right there's this constant metronome uh mentally of kind of need to be present in all these multiple locations at one time that's ex- exacerbated by our phones and social media and we talked about yeah. the anxiety that that can provoke for many people you know this and, and you just mentioned the birds so i want to touch on that i'm, I'm not actually sure if you're familiar with the the game wingspan we've been a little obsessed with it around our house lately it's you know no okay i not know this uh it's it's a board game it's a really really popular board game um it's a lot of fun we've been playing the tablet and or phone version of it um it's gotten my wife very interested in birds i've always been a bird guy except for emus i hate emus because they remind me of raptors but, oh, I mean, they're terrifying. I love terrifying birds too, though. Actually, I was I was around an ostrich, and that apparently they can like rip your, you know, head off. So that was actually kind of terrifying. Yeah, into yeah. it. Have you ever had an ostrich egg? Just okay. That's totally random. What like eaten one? Yeah. Yeah. No, I I have not. I'm kind of into. I mean, aren't they like you know? It's they're like huge. A, like a four course, five course meal. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're massive. Huge. We got one in uh, when we lived in San Diego. So incredible, incredible. Yeah. I. uh Birds are amazing creatures. I was, uh, I'm, in, I'm into birds. I'm into, uh, I'm into conspiracy theories. I'm into not, not. I don't follow them. I, I look, I watch them from the outside, and I find the the whole phenomenon fascinating. I was kind of thinking about uh, the birds are real. Uh, bird, sorry, birds aren't real. Movement as well. I don't know if you uh, know about this, but um, kind of a kind of a joke conspiracy theory that uh, that popped the patterns. up. Patterns. That they make um or? well i mean the, so the, so that's sort of how they're 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 represented in this book but actually there was there was a um uh this movement that was just taught it was just it was really just a paranoid conspiracy to say when you know these birds you're looking at they're looking at you they're drones they're they're uh they're uh you know the government uh tracking you whatever i i just find this idea fascinating but uh for the idea that people start to believe in these things but this act this was actually I believe a sort of uh, uh, joke on conspiracy theories, and I think okay. the people that that uh, created this wanted to see how many people would would fall for it, and they got a huge following. Well, so to me, it's like it's a conspiracy theory that's also a joke on conspiracy theories, and that was super uh, juicy for me as as a subject. Um, and how do we know? And if we're we become paranoid people. Um, everything's watching, right? So, so um, the bird thing just became a a fun a fun thing to play with, and uh, uh, I think also, you know, I was thinking about tropes in this book, and as I said, I like the idea of kind of these funny takes on common tropes, or these kind of like weaker takes on common tropes. Where I was thinking about, you know, the classic lightsaber battle or the classic like you know um jedi uh 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 trope and what if it's what if it's just this weak you know his lightsaber is just kind of this this 
puny little hummingbird and that's kind of all he has to to work with so i was just kind of having fun with uh with also the, you know like the diversity of birds out there and you know who who's battling with which bird maybe yeah, that's the it, new board game I don't know. no it uh check wins wingspan out it's it's a lot of fun yeah um, yeah yeah it sounds great yeah i was i was uh I, I don't know probably not intended at all but i really enjoyed um you know talking about safety you know is, is a big thing in this so you had the the cultists running around sort of looking like big birds so like and 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 how that is a very very safe imagery children's imagery and stuff so no idea if that was intended but it was it was nice i think um i think juan has a, a tendency to to kind of put his put the darker imagery it kind of wrapped the darker imagery in something um a little bit more kind of fun and palatable i think that's a really cool uh a re- really cool side of what he does is you know he's drawn uh he's drawn some marvel stuff and he's you know he's drawn some really some stuff that really has like a dark edge but it's always a little bit playful and and i liked that i think i think you're right i think uh you know the most sinister things can be a little bit like fun and biting for sure well, you you've been very kind in letting me like drill down here in in your head and distilling this stuff. So, what would you ultimately like like a reader to take away from reading Wag? Um, it's a great question. Um, I hope that I have given people something to think about that they may not have considered in the sort of post apocalyptic genre but i think what i do like about this book is is sort of um the idea of language and how language can be important to comics in ways that people don't necessarily consider i think there's a lot of um and this is not a this is not a an insult to comics it's just a style of comics where a lot of a lot of comics that we read are um more story based less about less about um less about language itself more about uh propelling story forward um and to me i mean you sort of talked about like like tone of this book and how it can be a little more gentle at times even though it might seem urgent and to me this book is really about settling on a mood and uh and language itself and you know that's the voice in our head but that's also when we're reading a comic what we're looking at is words placed in a certain way that um really is closer to poetry than it is to um to a film or or reading a novel so to me there's something poetic about it um i don't know that i've written a poetic comic book but i i wrote a comic book that i think is considering the idea that a, that comic books um can have a poetic language and i even am sort of making a joke on that with with some of the the wild language that the voice that yeah. comes in um the character that we'll meet later uh comes in to to sort of use so uh yeah i think i think hopefully i know this sounds yeah it sounds pretentious i guess but i want people to leave thinking about language and comic books about how comics can do more than uh than just uh than just propel an action story and again i'm not by any means the first person to do that it's a reference to all the people i love that i think really appreciated what comics can do with words well if you indulge, indulge me for a second, um, I've got this new like quick hit section. It's kind of five quick questions that are like, designed to let people get to know you a little bit better. Um, 
and I'll answer them too. So let's, I don't know how quick I can be because I don't okay. shut up. But I'm okay. not good at it either, but okay. it's been fun so far. So if, you're, if <laughs> yeah. your game will jump in. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I've always associated the Scissor Sisters with disco in my head. Forgive me if that, that's sure. a bad reference. What's your favorite disco song? Um, God, my favorite disco song. That's hard, isn't it? It is because there are so many classics that we almost see as camp at this point mm-hmm. because we've heard them so much at heard them so much at the sort of like, um, you know, at the events we all dread going to and stuff like that. But, um, gosh, the best disco song. You're gonna have to like put the podcast on pause while I think about this one. I mean, I, I almost think first. like. No, go, go, go. Exactly. Okay. That, yeah. For, for me, it's uh, Abba's Dancing Queen. Um, because Abba was going to maybe be in there. Yeah. I did yeah, a yeah. Mamma Mia run. And again, just like Cabaret, it like burns into your head. So, yeah. That was yeah. Fun. I think. Um, gosh. That is such a hard one. Um, you can phone a friend. It's fine if you. No, I, <laughs> yeah, I need my lifeline right now. Yeah, exactly. Um, Mighty real. Mighty real. It's just like sometimes it needs to be the most basic, just, just, um, uh, feel good. Yeah. Simple. That, no, you know what? This is the worst cliche ever. I think, um, I feel love just because of how okay. influential, you know, that I, we can call that a disc. I mean, it is a disc sure. song. Um, I think Maroder just had such a profound, influence on the kind of disco that i like because mm-hmm. it had that electronic edge and it had it was kind of like sci-fi and otherworldly okay there we go All i right. feel love uh weirdest job you've ever had um i worked for a video rental store which maybe half of your audience may not even know what that is but uh yeah we we rented out vhs tapes and we had a, and this was when I was uh, growing up in Kentucky. I was like, it was high school days. And uh, they did have an adult section in the back and people would return. Oh. Is this appropriate? Sorry. That's no, no, fine. this isn't no, going to be that okay. bad. No, they, no, no it's, it isn't that horrifying. But they would return them and say that they were broken because they were embarrassed for renting them. And then the job would be, I'd have to go to the back and make sure that they were working. Oh, yeah. Um, so we could put them back on the shelf and rent them again. And that, that was a pretty weird experience. There's some hilarity in that though. I mean, like that, that's gotta be. Well, funny... the people coming in when they, when they would say, Oh, it didn't work. And they're wearing like a trench coat and glasses, you know, it's like, no one wants uh... to have to go in. Like, thank God for the internet. Right. But, uh, no doubt. those were the days when, uh, when, yeah, you had to, you had to show up in person. What a weird job. That was a weird no job, doubt. but it was fun too. I mean, I got to watch like, great films as well i could take home whatever movie i wanted so i i you know i got to got to see everything way cool well mine is um i worked at i don't know if you've heard of it the body farm um at the university of tennessee so um i was an anthropology major this was at the end of dr bass who's kind of the the grandfather of forensic science so started the body farm I, i worked in the vats um so basically you have a bunch of vats where they're looking at decomposition rates with um, various water conditions, salinity, da, 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 da. So yeah, I, w- I was a vat guy in the summer. That was 
an interesting how, job. How many bodies were involved with? I mean, it, it would depend. I mean, like there's there's different states of interment, and you're taking lots of notes and you know lots of record keeping on the the different states of of decomposition. Is it together? Or is it? Yeah, that's incredible. That is incredible. I mean, I, do you feel that it that it uh, desensitized you in some ways to, to seeing this kind of stuff? Which I think I mean, is probably an important thing at a certain stage in life to be comfortable. Thinking. Yeah, I, much more smells than anything else. Wow! So I can I can take anything. Any you remember bad. that scene in Silence of the Lambs where they're doing the dissection and they put that? Is that like a real thing? They put the stuff on their nose so they like you know can deal with it. Maybe I don't know. Maybe it was just good Hollywood uh, moment. Yeah, well, not not everybody can do it. Like a lot of people. <laughs> go through the initiate you know the initial process and then they, uh this is not for me so there's really? a whole, whole lot of or that. like you know the masks you wear or like yeah not mm-hmm. even oh, okay yeah so yeah i mean you can have but block out some some yeah it's gonna yeah. not block out everything yeah yeah wow yeah. and obviously i don't know what procedurally they do now because it's 30 years on um that i did it but yeah it was it was a it was a fun job it was it was definitely weird there's a comic book in there i keep telling myself i need this is a, a nugget, right? Absolutely. That I need to build a story off of. But absolutely, yeah. I'd read it. Um, you could be magically gifted with aptitude in one art form that you you're not currently good at, right? You haven't already done. What is it? Well, that's a pretty easy one because I've always wanted to know how to draw and draw realistically, and um, I'm okay. Um, I'm not great. I I look at what people do, especially in the comics medium, and I'm in awe. It's probably yeah. a great thing that um, uh, I get to work in a, you know, in a in a medium in an industry where my cohorts are people that I completely admire and and envy um, the skill, you know, the the skill of of rendering uh, art in the way that they do. I mean, I would absolutely love to be able to draw like that and especially um from uh from memory and not from a from a subject in front of me i i i don't even understand how that happens it's like magic to me so yeah that's mine um stained glass i would love to be able to really create huge windows and art pieces out of stained glass yeah see my thought on that is that it's probably uh like incredibly uh uh, satisfying to design them, but the labor involved is really intense. But maybe, maybe you're into the idea of that. I love too. tactile artwork. I love yeah, hands-on yeah, yeah. and and the, the experience of actually making something. Um, because I, we've distanced ourselves from making culture I, to some extent. COVID, we all got back into it, right? Like the the whole maker cottage thing exploded sure, like crazy. But sure. yeah, um, yeah, I just really enjoy being hands-on. So. That's incredible. It's an incredible art form too. I love looking yeah. at. Glass. Uh, you get to write one big two character group. Who is it? I get to, sorry, I get to write one big two DC or Marvel big character. Oh, big or character. Group. Yeah. Um, this, this doesn't sound super original, but I, I, I think, I think the, I don't know if this is even considered a big, I mean, Constantine, I was going to say, I don't know if that's considered one of the big, the big oh, yeah. superheroes, but you know, he's a big character. Um, I love how open those Hellblazers books 
are just sort of like the the episodic quality and they can just go anywhere. And that's what I love. I'm not a soap opera thinker. I'm not a long-term ongoing book thinker. Um, I love the episodic ideas and these short arcs. And I think uh, Hellblazer was just such a cool series for, you know, has been for for being able to do that. So yeah, I mean, fun, fun playground. You can go anywhere with that. Yeah, like mine's because I would focus on Papa Midnight from Hellblazer and do really mini series. Yep, amazing. You had that in your head. Yep, yep. You do. I would love Let's to see do it. That. Let's see it. I just gotta get in front of the right people. You know, I'll, t- know. I'll talk. I need to. It's funny because I saw that Greg and Will are editors. Which, by the way, you have some amazing mentors. By the, yeah, just I, I, I'm so lucky. Yeah, but yeah, I and need Greg, to- Greg was a friend for for many years before that too, which makes it even funnier. Okay, so it's great. Yeah. yeah. But sorry, you were saying like no, no. Um, um, yeah, I got a chance to interview Greg back. I I love Greg's work. Um, but incredible. yeah, Will, I've got to reschedule with because I had a, like a recent lupus thing and um, sure. had to c- cancel some. But yeah, um, looking forward to get a chance to talk to Will too. Oh yeah, um, and Will Will continues his work on amazing stuff. He's a legend. Yeah, well, distillery, but but, but now we're we're crossing. Oh, we can day. talk about distillery too. No, I'm I'm. I'll talk about anything. Have you, uh, you've read, I guess, Devil's Cut and yep. Somna. I don't know if you have. I haven't that picked yet. that up yet. It's not officially out. I, I won- think it's out next week. Oh, man. It, it's escaping my brain right now. But Jocks. Jocks is called Gone. Yeah, um, I read read that. Really great. I mean, he's, he's incredible. Look, I think they're doing great things. Exciting. Very interesting to see where that all, where that all goes. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I having seen, having been in it as long as, as I have and seeing how the creator owned space, I don't want to be negative and just be like, okay, it's just another creator owned thing that they're doing. I know, like, I know what you mean. Yeah. I know what you mean. It's like, uh, it's easy to get disappointed. And it's also easy to see these, these newer publishers come and go. Um, yeah. I, I have a lot of, a lot of faith in the talent behind that. Um, David and Chip, who, start you know created the the company i think they're they're really smart people who um have a good head on their shoulders and and uh are they're already creating a sort of very interesting world which i don't see from a lot of upstart publishers to say they kind of have a vision right they have a vision about the kind of stories right they want to tell and they just happen to be the kind of stories i like as well that's so is it good be on the same cloud Dark, evil stories, yeah. All right, my last question's a doozy, so I apologize in advance. Um, this project has a strong mental health element to it. You could snap your fingers and no longer fear one thing in your life. What is it? Wow. I'd have to narrow that one down. I am such a baby sometimes. Um, what... Well, I do love uh, White Noise. I don't know if you know that novel mm-hmm. by uh, Don DeLillo where um, there's a drug that – actually, I don't want to give away too much. But there, there's an element of that book that is about uh, you know getting rid of the fear of death, which I find really, really interesting. And who isn't afraid of, of death? But I kind of feel like that's an easy one because, because we, we all go there sometimes. Um, I think 
it's it's a fear of I don't know if it's a strong fear, but I do have social anxiety. I do have a fear of crowds. I don't necessarily like to go out in a crowd of people I don't know and have to be social. Um, and I can do it. I would love to make that disappear. Um, I would love to be able to just go up to random people and uh, and have a conversation with no self consciousness. Yeah. Would, What's yours? Letting people down. Um, it's oh, just for the, I, I wish I had done that one. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I, well, I mean, I just it, it's just one of those constant things, you know. And I'm a very confident person, um, but it's just, yeah, yeah. I just don't, you know, letting down the the people that that I love. Um, yeah, that's amazing. And, and and I think like like it's important to say that you're a confident person. I'm a confident person. I have a lot of confidence in in what I do, but that doesn't mean that we don't have moments. Be, mm-hmm. You know, people like us have moments of 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 weakness that just makes us human right so yeah i think i think that's the biggest fallacy about people with anxiety and fears is that oh you seem so confident and i don't understand it's like yeah i am confident most of my life and then there's moments where i where i'm just not and uh and it's good to hear people admit that I think. absolutely yeah i mean that's how we get to that point of of normalizing mental health right you know exactly that exactly. we all deal with it so. uh you're not letting me down how good I'm glad to hear that. Sometimes yeah, I do I go this. through that. Yeah, I always go through oh, sure. that. Uh, I'm sure. I'm, I'm overly technical and analytical in my analysis. And sometimes I get that feeling from people. They're like, I didn't think that thoroughly. I, I know you're seeing that and I'm grateful for it. But like, I just didn't think that thoroughly. I was just writing a book and it's supposed to be fun. Sorry. Yeah, I'm overly analytical too. So I'm probably the right person to ask those questions. I just am uh, not as good with... Uh with with favorite disco songs what's funny about that and i'm going to go back to that again i am such an electronic music fan i am such a fan of weird uh uh experimental electronic music from the days of like you know nine inch nails to listening to like aphex twin and stuff like that and disco was never my genre um i love it when i'm out i love it when friends play me classic you know some classic disco i haven't heard but um I have really weird music taste, and sometimes the mainstream just stumps me. It's really funny. So I got a recommendation for you. It's a comics recommendation. Um, yeah. Are you familiar with John J. Muth? No. His work. So um, painted stuff. Look John J. Muth up. I think you'll really enjoy. He didn't do a lot, um, okay. but just beautiful work. But he did um, some. They're hard to find, but uh, some orchestra. So it's orchestrated music that is amazing. Incredible. So, yeah, Jed, I think you'll really dig his, if you've never seen it, his Dracula stuff is gorgeous. So, okay, John J. I'm, I'm going to report back to you. All right. Um, yeah, please do. Um, all right. So, thanks for indulging me with the questions. Um, absolutely. Yeah. So, what else you got cooking that you can talk about? I mean, did you make some good connections at Thought Bubble? That, Thought Bubble you know? was amazing. I always meet great people. And it's funny because the people you meet are just, you know, someone just drinking sitting in a couch in the hotel bar and then you realize, you know, they've drawn everything. Yep. Love, you know, and it's just, uh, it's, it's kind of like that there. Everyone, everyone is really into books, um, and less about, uh, industry hustling. So that's what I like about it. Um, met some great people. Um, I don't, I don't know what the future of my publishing is necessarily. Um, but I have a lot, 
that I've written. I have some collaborations that are already in the works creatively. Um, I've, I've just got to find the right home. Um, hopefully a future uh, with Comixology to some degree because they've been an incredible supporter of me. Um, it, everything is still kind of up in the air. It's a funny little industry, isn't it? I'm still sure. trying to navigate it. Um, uh, it took me a long time to figure out the music industry. I, don't, I still don't know that I fully figured that out. And, you know, a lot of a lot of comics is about uh, the shifting landscape yep. uh, that we're in, as well as, you know, in, in the way that music uh, was through the past couple decades. So um, we'll see. There's stuff cooking. It's just uh, it may be on the uh, it may have to be reheated in a in a little bit. I don't know. We'll see. Um, it's, I hear that it's, a lot. That's normal. Yeah, I, I, I understand that that's, you know, people have scripts from 10 years ago that they finally find homes for and stuff like that. So um, that's fun. But I, I've um, I've written a lot. I have a lot of ideas. I want to keep going. I think it's been a super supportive industry for me already. I mean, I'm, I'm surprised that people um, are so welcoming to the outsiders and especially someone who they might think is coming in as oh this guy you know just yeah. you know wants to add it to you know like uh, add another vanity project to the list or something like that but um i really do take it seriously and i really do love the medium so um yeah hopefully hopefully there'll there'll be something in the ether soon enough i'd love to talk about whatever that is when when and if it happens awesome well right now um everybody can read the first three issues of wag on comiXology and issue four comes out early december is that right uh what are we in november yeah exactly it's a monthly book um yep. don't know if i have a date on that but beginning of the month December. Okay. yeah and then yeah five issues and there'll be a collected that'll be uh in the first i think few months of of next year that nice. we'll have some little extras and stuff and the and the collected of nostalgia is actually out it came out the same week as uh wag number three as well so that's around awesome if anyone wants to read all those at once yeah, or go back and listen to our first interview. I'll pitch myself. Yeah, I like it. We can repost it. All right. Well, a Wag is a fantastic book. Everybody, please go check it out and support Scott and work. I'm not kidding. You know, we've talked about nostalgia and Wag now, and you're honestly just too damn good. Like to have just started out in in this medium. Oh, that that means a lot. Thank you so much. I, I you know, you probably know the, know how this feels, but I don't necessarily believe that all the time. But it's nice to hear, and um, uh, hopefully, I'll I'll uh, you know, just be able to keep putting out more books. That's all I want to do is uh, is create and hopefully connect with people on with what I'm writing. So so thank you for uh, for letting me know it connects with you. I appreciate it a lot. Yeah, but I don't. I don't know if it helps at all, but I, I talked to many a creator who think people would be very surprised. We won't name drop or anything like that. But a lot of people have that that anxiety about, oh, do you do you really like my book? You know, at the end of an interview, they'll say, okay, but did you? Okay, did now you, the truth. Now, right? The truth. Did you did you yeah. really like it? You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and from years of being in music, uh, see it all the time as well. Very talented people and people that I, you know. Uh, have respected my entire life still have those have those thoughts so that's just part of the process and it's good to like just have that awareness right that that's going to be there and don't let it don't let it stop you yeah well scott thanks for hanging out with me again on the show appreciate it uh thank you so much for having me let's uh let's do it again sounds good well this is byron o'neill and on behalf of all of us at comic thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time happy holidays everyone 
This is Byron O'Neill, one of your hosts of the Cryptid Creator Corner, brought to you by Comic Book Yeti. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of our podcast. Please rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. It lets us know how we're doing, and more importantly, how we can improve. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of the Cryptid Creator Corner, maybe you would enjoy our sister podcast, Into the Comics Cave. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.